Hi, everyone. This is Sam Oser, your unconventional journalist, reporting on the movements that fight back Saturdays at 1.30 on All Real Radio. Today, we are going to be interviewing Anna and Fuad. Uh, they are Students for Justice in Palestine. That is a group out of Rice University. And there is an upcoming event that... <laughs> Rice is doing that normalizes the atrocities that Israel is doing in Palestine right now. Um, so Anna and Fuad, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about this event and what you guys are doing to fight back. Welcome. Thank you so much uh, for having us, Sam. Um, it is an honor to be here and we appreciate you taking the time. Yes, thank you so much, Sam. I'm I'm excited to get into it. So what event is coming up that um, has you guys ready for action? Um, so I'm a student at, at Rice University and I'm with Students for Justice in Palestine at Rice. Um, and Fuad had made contact with me about um, an event that's happening on April 27th. Um, that is essentially, it's named Israel at 75 and it is the celebration of the 75th anniversary of um, the inauguration of the state of Israel, um, which, you know, for those of us who don't know, is also the um, 75th anniversary of um, Al-Nakba, which is the catastrophe, which is the forceful and violent dispossession, um, rape, murder, and exile um, of nearly a million Palestinian people from their homes. Um, at this event, I should add, um, there are going to be politicians um, of very high profile who are going to be featured, including Isaac Herzog, um, Ehud Barak, um, and, and others. Wow. Um, so what are, like, what are you guys trying to bring attention to uh, at this event? Like, what are y'all's plan of action? Uh, Fuad, would you like to answer this time? Yeah, for sure. Hi, everyone. And thanks so much for having us again. Um, my name is Fa'ad. I'm an organizer with the Palestinian Youth Movement. We are an independent grassroots movement of uh, Palestinians dedicated to the liberation of our homeland and people. And uh, uh, I, I'm so sorry, Sam, can you repeat the question again? When I said that, I completely forgot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just uh, more information on like how you guys want to like show up and like what you guys are planning on doing um to bring attention to this event yeah absolutely so i think you know one of our primary goals with um the course of action in response to the israel at 75 conference is really stigmatizing support for the colonization of palestine on our campuses and in our community you know we're witnessing sort of like um, the, or the last few years have we've witnessed a, like a global shift in consciousness uh, around Palestine, right? Like both within the city of Houston, across the occupied lawn, land we're on today and across the globe, there's a major shift in support for Palestine liberation. And this is coming at a time in which Israel is doubling down on its colonial tactics of, of repression and violence against the Palestinian people. So amidst this global shift and amidst the compounded violence um, that Palestinians face today, we're trying, uh, the goal is to push a political message that um, the normalization of this violence through celebrating the occupation of Palestine or the colonization of Palestine 75 years ago and subsequently platforming um, 
major Israeli politicians whose political careers have been defined by bombings on Gaza, the mass imprisonment of Palestinian youth, etc. Um, we're trying to push a message that this is not acceptable on our campus and in our community. And um, in, in, a, in a coalitional effort between students and community members, we're trying to say that there's no room um, for this um, in our city period, that, that Houston, Palestine is a red line for our community members. And so that's sort of like the overarching goal uh, beyond, behind um, the actions that we have planned and are continuing to, to escalate on um, in response to Israel at 75, is really push a line that um, we do not accept the normalization of colonial violence on our campus and in our community. That's amazing. Um... You know, before we got on, I was telling you guys about um, in 20, I think it was 2013 or 2014, maybe even 2012, I don't know, somewhere around there. Um, I had gone to Rice because there was an Israeli general that was doing a conference workshop uh, regarding the quote unquote peace settlements um, with Palestine. And at the time I did not understand what was going on. We had gone because one of my professors was like, Hey, this is happening. We should go listen in. This is intellectual credibility, um, is how it was really posed as. And I still have the piece of intellectual propaganda where it's this pretty thick booklet binded, with charts, facts, and figures, like I said, just very intellectualized um, on justifying the quote unquote peace settlements, the <laughs> the atrocities that Israel is committing uh, over there. And so it's just very wonderful to see groups of people on campus uh, at Rice and also at UH um, bringing attention to this because this has been gone ongoing. What, what year is it now? 2023 it's for a decade at rice and they were probably doing it further back than I'm aware of. Um, but so as you guys are seeing all this like propaganda and the intellectual propaganda, what, what's that like? Like your, your rice students and rice is a credible institution it's a white supremacist institution for all and for all matters whatnot um but how are you guys battling that like what does that look like um i i think that when we talk about like intellectual propaganda i think a lot of it comes down to this idea of like normalization um and essentially what normalization is is it's taking like something that's like um, extremely violent, um, extremely colonial in origin, and, you know, saying that interacting and engaging with it um, is is okay. Um, and I think that, like, intellectual propaganda is utilized at Rice insofar as, like, pushing normalization, and I think that happens inside of the classroom. I think that happens on the campus. I think that happens in seminars, um, at lectures, um, at, like, events that you attended. Um, and I think that a lot of it is... Um, passable because as you mentioned before we started talking rice is a you know quote unquote prestigious institution um and so there's a level of like um educational or academic credibility that comes with that um and sometimes there's the mentality that oh you know they wouldn't sponsor something that was inherently wrong or that you know that you know was morally 
iffy or, or, or anything like that. And I think that it comes down to combating normalization um, in the public sphere. And I think that's a lot of what we're trying to do with our opposition to this event is, um, you know, call out Rice on this and say that, you know, there's no normalization um, allowed on our campus. We won't allow this to happen or in our city for that matter. And uh, yeah, um, if there's, uh, yeah, just to add on to what Anna said, um, you know, Rice does sort of posture as like this, you know, very, you know, prestigious, like highly um, reputable intellectual um, university. And I think, you know, it, it's really like important to remember that like, you know, universities exist to reproduce the status quo, right? They, they exist to um, reproduce the conditions necessary to maintain U.S. hegemony across the, the globe, to entrench neoliberalism as like a political, you know, framework and process. Like that's the goal of universities. That's the goal of like the different academic departments, etc. And it wasn't until students and community members fought to democratize the university that this sort of role that the institution plays is challenged, right? So it was Black students that pushed for African-American studies. It was um, students across various colonized backgrounds that pushed for radical ethnic studies at different universities, right? And so now we're seeing it play out now where, of course, our universities, um, are, like, like Anna named, are um, super incentivized to put on events which normalize Israel's violent colonization of Palestine because it reproduces the status quo necessary, right? So, um, you know, it, it, we are we are doing the work now to to um, transform uh, our campuses, and by our campuses, I mean both Rice students and like Houston community members. Like this is our city. Um, to a large extent, we are we contribute um, to the upkeep of Rice, even though it is a private institution. You know, uh, it, it's our responsibility to sort of democratize these processes and say like, absolutely not, um, we will not accept. Um, an, an event such as Israel at 75 in our city and on our campus. So I think when we're also talking about like the intellectual prestige of Rice and, and maybe like the, the, the undeserved credibility that comes with it, um, we have to we have to remember that like Rice is an institution, like all universities exist to reproduce the status quo. And it is our responsibility to um, unify and like a grassroots movement across different sectors in this city to challenge that, and build a university um, that like represents the needs of social justice. Piggybacking off of what Fuad um, mentioned, which thank you for, for the eloquent way that you worded that, I think that also Rice, you know, has vested interest financially in reproducing these systems and in reproducing, you know, institutional white supremacy. Um, and I think that, especially with this event, which the economic sponsorship is through the roof, um, that Rice has significant ties to the, its organ or the organizations that are co-sponsoring, which are um, the Anti-Defamation League, um, Houston Hillel, um, and, and organizations like these that, you know, have significant access um, to funds. And so I think there's a definite linkage financially as well um, to, you know, Rice's best interest as a capitalist institution and as one that is like, you know, bathed in colonialism to to hold events um, like these on campus. Yeah, there are so many intersections here between colonialism, capitalism, and, you know, just academic elitism and the way it intersects with neoliberalism <laughs> and just bathed and drenched and all of that. It's um, 
it's really disheartening. Um, because you know the Anti Defamation League <laughs> should be anti Zionist as well. Um, you would think, you would hope. Um, for those of you listening who aren't entirely sure what's going on with the Palestinian movement or what Israel's doing in Palestine, I thoroughly encourage you to look up Abby Martin and the Empire Files. She is a reporter who has been covering the um, Israeli occupation thoroughly um, and goes to Palestine and goes to Israel and interviews people. It's called uh, The Empire Files, and it is Abby Martin. So given that we have this academic elitism, neoliberalism just bathed in capitalist ties and colonialism, so many isms, disgusting. Um, we have to factor in the age of surveillance um, and what these repercussions are for being active. Um, could you guys talk about the risks um, as a Palestinian activist trying to hold the line and not let this stuff get normalized? Yeah, for sure. I can start, maybe pass it to Anna after. Um, yeah, so I think it's important to, you know, when we talk about repression, uh, it's important to contextualize it within the fact that, like, every, like, social justice movement in, like, the history of this country, especially, and, you know, across the globe, um, face, like, immense and state-sponsored repression in order to like quell its just movement, right? Um, we see that through Pro against the Black Liberation Movement. We see that through McCarthyism against like the left in the 50s. And today we see it through the doxing of uh, pro-Palestine activists and organizers on campus and, and in our community. Um, and so a lot of the risks that um, Palestinian and, and those in solidarity with our struggle face um, when organizing are, you know, websites like Canary Mission, which maliciously like post photos and personal content of organizers um, in an attempt to um, essentially scare them out of organizing. So they put all of this information and they throw um, very like malicious uh, and, and incorrect accusations of um, support for terrorism um, and, and anti-Semitism, which are deeply rooted in like Islamophobic and anti-Arab racism. And this idea that like Palestinians, Arabs, Muslims are like inherently violent, inherently Islamophobic or inherently um, anti-Semitic. And so are the people that like support them, you know? Um, and so this is sort of like the landscape that um, pro-Palestine organizers um, are, are like working within. And it's um, even a more precarious for Palestinian organizers. You know, um, as of 2017, Israel enacted laws which will allow them to legally deport people trying to enter um, who are known to be affiliated with the BDS movement. And so several, several Palestinian um, organizers uh, now face a similar fate that their parents and grandparents did in 1948 when they are denied entry into their homeland for engaging in just and righteous activism for Palestine. Um, but what I think is really important to name here is that um, Number one, the state and like it's the various entities which are against the cause um, double down on repression when our struggle is winning. 
right? And so we have to also view repression as also a testament to the amazing and prolific work that um, Palestine, Palestinian organizers and pro-Palestine organizations have waged over the last decade and beyond, right? And similarly, these tactics of repression no longer have the grip over organizing spaces that they once did. You know, the, the goal of this sort of doxing is to uh, enact a chilling effect on Palestine organizing when people are too scared to speak out, right? But what the, the you know, Palestinian grassroots organizations and the student movement are showing us is that nothing will stop us from just activism for Palestine, right? We like we are on the side of justice and we find safety in that. Uh, and so the grip that it once had is, is it no longer has that on our organizing spaces. And I think that's a really powerful testament to the growth of our movement and um, our trajectory moving forward, how much more we can continue to grow and build. Yeah. Anna, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think that the stakes are different for um, me because of my positionality. I'm not Palestinian. Um, I'm just, you know, someone who's working in, in support and solidarity. Um, but I think that, like, in terms of, you know, what it looks like to be a doxed and blacklisted, I definitely think that, like, um, I've, I've heard this phrase go around a lot, which is, like, um, it's an attempt to raise the stakes of Palestine organizing and Palestine activism, and it's um, a cult of fear mongering and um, an attempt to scare people away from organizing. And I think that's why I really appreciated what Fuad was saying about like the, it being a testament to to the work um, and to the labor and to the love that is going into these movements. Um, and I think that you know the important thing to remember is that like when someone's been blacklisted or doxxed or, or or whatever, you know, it's not hopeless because they join, um, you know, a significant, significant amount of people who have had the very same thing happen to them, but who continue um, to support the movements that they believe in. Um, and I think that, you know, again, my positionality is not Palestinian, but I think especially for like um, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, that the stakes are also higher. And I think that like, um, you know, mainstream media and organizations like Canary, organizations using that loosely, like Canary Mission or Stop Anti-Semitism or the ADL, um, you know, these far right watchdog groups tend to capitalize off of existing oppressions. Um, and so if you go and you look at all of their profiles on Canary, which, you know, I do not encourage anyone to do ever, that website doesn't need more traction, but, you know, you'll look at the faces and the names and they're overwhelmingly Palestinian, Arab, Middle Eastern, or people of color. And I think that that is a very intentional use of existing entrenched institutional and systemic racism. And I think that these organizations profit off of capitalizing on what's already existing. Um, and like Fuad was saying, I think the best way to do that, like to combat that is to, you know, continue to come together in solidarity. Um, and so, yeah, I really appreciated um, your words on this, Fuad. That was, that was very well said. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's both like, just like stupid. <laughs> that we have to go through all this, um, but it's also incredibly heartwarming that even in the face of this injustice, there is love and community and care. And Fuad, what you said about finding safety and justice, um, 
really resonated with me because that's, that's it. That's the thing, right? Um, before we wrap up and you guys talk about your call to actions and the plugs, is there anything that you desperately need people to know or any last words? Um, I think it's really important. And, and this is a question that I have been posing to people in my life recently is, you know, if you're not involved in Palestine organizing or, or local community organizing at all, I think asking yourself why is a really important question to tackle because it takes, it takes so little um, to show up in solidarity and that little can mean so much in the broader, in the broader picture and the broader um, scheme of things. Um, and I think that, you know, as many people as possible who can kind of join a growing, a growing beautiful movement um, towards, you know, liberation from colonization and colonialism, um, as many people as possible that we can stand in solidarity with, all the more powerful our movement becomes. And I think that like a question to posit is like in, you know, if we take South African apartheid, for example, um, you know, if we look at that now, we can universally acknowledge that that was wrong, right? And that what was happening there was wrong. At the time, maybe it wasn't mainstream or popular rhetoric to, to counteract this, right? Many, even the ADL worked against South African liberation um, fighters and organizers. Um, but today we can stand and say, okay, well, the people who fought for liberation were in the right. Um, and if, I think if we think about Palestine through the lens of like, um, historic liberation from colonialism, um, asking ourselves the question, well, in a hundred years, you know, will you be able to look back? Will your children, grandchildren be able to look back and say, okay, you know, my relative, my um, comrade, my friend was on the right side of history or they were on the wrong side. And I think being able to quantify and qualify how you stood, where you stood and when you stood is really important um, and so asking yourself that, um, cause it, it takes just an individual to make a movement. Um, so yeah. Go ahead. You're on. Yeah, I, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really agree with everything Anna said. Um, and I, I think I would just add that, well, I, I would add two things first, um, Israel, Israel at 75, this conference at, um, Rice University's Baker Institute for Public Policy is one of the most um, public forms of support for the colonization of Palestine um, that we have seen in our city in a really long time, right? You know, we're having former Prime Minister Yehud Barak, or they're having former Prime Minister Yehud Barak speak, who was the Prime Minister that ordered Israeli soldiers to murder 13 Palestinians in cold blood, who were demonstrating the bombings that were happening in Gaza that also happened under his Prime Ministership, right? Michael Herzog was a former military Israeli strategist who oversaw the shelling of millions of homes, um, critical infrastructure like schools, hospitals, orphanages, etc. in Gaza, right? This is one of the most tangible and explicit forms of vocal support for the colonization of Palestine and the violence done against the Palestinian people. And it is imperative for us to take an active and vocal stance against this. A, to show like a vibrant solidarity with the Palestinian people in this city, but B, also to set a precedent for what is and is not allowed to happen on our campuses, right? Um, 
which leads to sort of like the second point, which is that Palestine um, really is an open door for the intersections of the struggles that A, we all care about, um, and that number two, we are all implicated right? The struggle for Palestine liberation is a struggle against U.S. imperialism, which means a struggle against the U.S.'s military grip on our homelands across the global south, right? Because of the uh, Israeli defense forces or the Israeli occupation forces intimate relationship with U.S. police forces here, the struggle for Palestine liberation is also the struggle for the demilitarization of U.S. police towards abolition, right? We have to understand that Palestine really is a mirror for ourselves and for our struggles. And in order to combat this international enemy of US imperialism, um, combating Palestine is, or not combating Palestine, supporting the struggle for Palestine liberation is crucial within that, right? Um, and also we are all implicated in it through our tax dollars. Every year, $3.8 billion of US uh, tax dollar money goes to the Israeli military, right? This is money that could be spent on our education system, which we are watching it less and less funding every year. It can fund new teachers. It can fund uh, health care for the elderly and the sick. You know what I mean? Why are we funding the colonization of my homeland instead of funding the future of our children in this community, the, the future of Houston? So I, 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 I think my final words are that like we have a collective responsibility as the city of Houston um, to struggle against this event, not just in solidarity with the Palestinian people um, against the colonization that they are fighting against, uh, but to build um, a future of collective liberation for everyone. I also think, and I, this is the last thing I'll say, but I agree with everything you just said. And I think to add not even more depth, but to add like a just a little bit more to that, I think something that, you know, myself and other SJP Rise folks have been talking about in these conversations is to remember that these men are literally war criminals, like, like have been on trial as, you know, war criminals. Um, these are men who have employed the use of white phosphorus during war and created rains of fire on villages, right? These are men who have ordered the bombings of families, um, innocent civilian, I mean, they're innocent civilians, children, like these men are not academics. Um, they're not, they're not anything good. Right. And I think in any other circumstance, having literal war criminals on campus, there would be a little bit more, you know, cognizance and a little bit more conscientiousness about what this means. And I think that for Rice University to be doing this on the heels of um, what we saw last week during Ramadan with you know, um, IDF soldiers beating um, worshippers bloody at Al-Aqsa Mosque. Like this is a very particular moment to have this event. It's a particular time and it's everything that they're doing is strategic and on purpose. Um, they build off of momentum and colonialism throughout history is always built off of momentum. And I think that we can also build off of the same momentum, but for a different and more just reason. And I think like Fuad was saying, ultimately it comes down to what do we stand for in our home, right? Because Houston is our home and this is our city. And we actually have a choice as to like what we allow and what we don't. And I think like this is a time to take a stand and say, you know, in my home, in a space that's meant to be safe for myself and for everyone, then I'm not going to allow men who have murdered children to be able to be given a stage, to have hundreds of thousands of dollars given to hosting them, to allow them to speak to an audience of students, of professionals, 
of of anyone really and so I think like Fuad is really right in saying that like you know this is it like this is one of the most pertinent times that you can get involved in organizing towards liberation because it's happening on our front doorstep yeah well and just like to piggyback off that you know Houston's our city but rice is such a a like expansive, like it doesn't just cover Houston, it covers Harris County, Texas. Like if you know somebody who has gone to Rice or you yourself are a Rice alumni, whether or not you live in Houston, this ties back to you. Um, and it, it ties back to the education you got at Rice. It ties back to the kids, your kids that had gone to Rice. Um, it's so much more uh, global. It's happening right now in Houston, in our backyard, in Harris County's backyard. Um, but it definitely can go everywhere. Um, for anybody listening that is interested in learning more about the intersections of Palestine and the U.S., I do encourage you to read Angela Davis's book, Freedom is a Constant Struggle, Ferguson, Palestine, and the Foundations of a Movement. I will link that in the summary page. Um, when you look up Spotify, look up unconventional journalists, all the things that we're talking about will be linked there for you to reference later. Um, there's uh, so many intersections, as you guys were saying. Um, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> right? Like, ah. Um, so how can people get involved? as they're listening, uh, what is, how can they learn more about this event, this, this link? Um, how can they link up with you guys? Uh, how, how? Well, we, and Fuad, feel free to jump in and, or correct me, um, or add or whatever, but we have a petition um, that has gone live in the last few days to stop the Israel at 75 event. Um, hosted by the Baker Institute and Rice University. Um, we have hundreds of signatures and to have anyone's name on that list, whether or not you're affiliated with Rice University, um, whether or not you're in the Houston community right now, whether or not you've ever been in the Houston community, I think that putting your name down or your organization's name down on that petition really lends us significant support. Um, and the other thing I'll add is um, keep an eye out on um, our Instagram page, which is at rice.sjp. Um, we will be posting updates of how to get more involved um, and how to organize with us in future. Um, and then if you're just interested in organizing in this event or outside of this event, our Instagram is a really great place to get in touch, which again is at rice.sjp. And I'll turn it over to Fuad now. Yeah, I have nothing else to add. Um, yeah, but please um, keep up to speed uh, with uh, at rice.sjp and at sjphtx. They're being joint posted on both accounts. SJPHTX is the University of Houston SJP, um, where we will continue to be pushing this petition, but also where you'll find updates in terms of next steps in um, combating this. And I would also just um, add that while you're on the at rice.sjp and at sjphtx Instagram accounts, follow and stay up to date with events that they're having, programming they're having, campaigns that they are running, 
running and really joined the movement um, for Palestine, Palestine liberation in Houston through this event, but even after this event. And if you're a Palestinian or Arab youth um, that is outside of the college realm and are interested in getting involved, I highly encourage you to um, join the Palestinian youth movement. Um, we work very closely with the SJPs um, and are building um, power for Palestine liberation in our Houston community as well. So um, reach out to us at Palestinian Youth Movement and um, we can't wait to start building for this event and beyond. All right, thank you guys. Um, I wish you guys all the luck and um, I will be keeping an eye and just, um, yeah, I'm, I am hopeful uh to like for me like we were talking about the biggest part is undoing the normalization and i really do think i believe that conversations like this plays a huge role in that um so thank you so much for taking time to join me today thank you um for having us sam we appreciate the platform immensely